Hello Collision, hello Alpine. Glad everybody is able to join us this morning. Uh, uh, like Nico said, sorry about the technical difficulties. Um, but we're just glad that we're able to uh, get going today and uh, be able, we're glad to be able to worship with you and uh, get ready to dig into the scriptures uh, for, uh, for a minute. And um, I don't know about y'all, um, but um, I had a really good week. Um, it was an awesome, uh, pleasant surprise to be able to offer the, uh, that uh, one-day uh, food pantry that we were able to do for the community. And um, it, was a, it was an awesome, unexpected uh, surprise. It was able to uh, serve some people, get to know a, a few more people from the community, and just uh, have some good conversation and uh, pray for a few people. And um, uh, it, was, it was good stuff. And so, uh, like Nico said, um, before we get going, if you want to share a little bit, uh, a little bit, something about uh, your week, or just uh, give a sh quick good morning, uh, it'd be awesome for uh, everybody to interact a little bit in uh, the comments. Um, but um, we're going to be covering uh, Acts chapter three, verses one through ten today. As you are uh, flipping over, flipping over there, I'll recap uh, what we've been going over for the past uh, couple weeks. And so, um, as some of y'all know, uh, last week we were in First uh, Peter for uh, four minutes, uh, but the week before that we were we were in Acts. We finished uh, chapter two, and uh, what we know from chapter two is that it's um, chapter two tells us about the fellowship of the believers. And so, uh, we saw that the church continued to be dedicated to the prayers and was continuing to uh, stay dedicated to the scriptures. And uh, we know we see that um, Luke, the author of the book, um, added a couple things that the church was dedicated to which was community and uh, sharing meals together. And when uh, Luke talks about uh, the breaking of bread in uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, there's, in, in one time he talks about it as sharing meals together, and the other way he, also, he talks about it, it's in reference to um, the communion, the Lord's Supper. And so there was, um, in Acts chapter 2, we see that there is a true unity uh, within the first century church, and that they were joyfully, radically generous to all of those around them. Uh, the, the chapter 2 tells us that they gave all that they had to the poor, to those who were in need. And they also had, this was a very unique time, they also had favor with all people around them. And so what we know is that through prayer, through the, through the dedication to the scriptures, through community, uh, generosity, um, that the church had a very good opinion about themselves to those around them. Everybody, they were in good favor with everyone around them. And we know from the continuing on through the scriptures and throughout uh, the history of the church, that's not always how things go. But we do know when the, that when the church was dedicated to prayer, the scriptures, uh, community, and uh, generosity, that the Lord saves uh, saved a lot of people during this time. And the Lord saves a lot of people throughout history when the church reflects this right here. And so uh, last week, like we said, we took a quick break and we were in First uh, Peter for, for a moment as we took some a special time, as we took special time to celebrate uh, the resurrection. And so um, uh, in Peter's letter, he's writing to some, persecu some persecuted Christians who are dealing with uh, intense suffering. And he writes to them about the living hope. And he's, he talks to them about how they've already received the living hope from the living resurrected uh, Christ. And so in his letter, he writes them and he calls them exiles. Um, also, um, it's, uh, other words for exiles are outcasts, misfits, uh, foreigners, uh, but ultimately people who are foreigners who are in a hostile land, um, similar to Jeremiah 29, which we covered a collision uh, a couple months ago. And so we know throughout the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that, Christ, that they are Christians are also often called and referred to and known as exiles, foreigners in a hostile land. 
And so um, in this uh, letter, Peter is uh, writing to them, as we, as we uh, covered last week, about the, their living hope in the resurrected Christ and um, how God saved them into this new life and into this new hope and how that new hope is for, is not, is for today and is for tomorrow. And while they are, are reconciled with this living Christ, this resurrected Christ, um, that um, this new life that God has given to them, that God has saved them into, this new, this new salvation that they have that God is holding on to tight for them, that they can persevere through, um, their, through their suffering, through their uh, persecution. And Peter reminds them that be just because they're going through this persecution, that they're going through this suffering, that does not mean that God has abandoned them, but that the new hope and the life that Christ, that Christ saved them into allows them to persevere through this, and it allows them to love their neighbor during these times, even during times like this when uh, their neighbor, the neighbor is hostile to them. That this new radical life that they have been saved into allows them to be radically generous to those around them who are, uh, who's, who are, actually, who are hurting them. And so that's a quick recap of what we've gone through for the past couple of weeks. Um, but we are back in Acts, uh, the book of Acts today, and we are going to be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So we'll go ahead and start in verse 1 real quick. And it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asks to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I will, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gates of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so often, um, so often, many Christians and uh, people who are, we would probably consider uh, curious or sometimes we would call skeptical um, ask specific questions, um, good questions, understandable questions, um, actually questions that everybody should ask at one point in their life. Uh, questions like, what is God's plan for me? Uh, what does he want me to do? Uh, what is the church? Why, why is the church here? And why does, it, why does it exist? Why does it matter? And so many of the, those questions about life these essential core questions about life, so many of them are answered in the book of Acts. And so we started the book of Acts um, almost, almost uh, two months ago, and we're in chapter 3, and we're going to go all the way through um, all 28 chapters. And so when people want to know what God's plan is for, for us, what he wants us to do, and why, what and why is the church, what is the church and why is it here, uh, so much of that is answered in the, the book of Acts. And so as we, work, as we work our way through this book, uh, my hope is that a lot of the questions that we, that we have and that keep us tight, uh, we will have answers for some of those questions as we um, walk through this, uh, through this book. And so what we're, what we're seeing right now is uh, what a Christian is, uh, what they do, and um, like, um, if what we're seeing right now is actually, uh, is actually about uh, Christian living. 
And so if anybody has questions even about just Christian living in general, the, it's drenched in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is drenched in Christian living and the, what the church is and how it starts. And so here we are in a chapter, uh, Acts chapter 3. Um, and so this is, an act, this is actually a very interesting, is, is an interesting, it's an interesting passage. Um, it's a very interesting passage for us to be going through at this time in our lives right now with all the chaos going on. Um, it's not a passage that we, it's not a passage we schedule to go through in the midst of all the chaos. Um, it's just something that, is, that has happened. And so right now um, with the coronavirus, there's a lot of chaos going on. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty. There's also like an overabundance of opinions and thoughts and all sorts of kind of interesting stuff that goes with it. And so while most of us uh, here right now, if not all of us, have not had the coronavirus, uh, most of us are connected in one way or another to somebody who has actually uh, already, got, already had the virus or is actually dealing with the virus right now. Or maybe they're concerned because they think that they might actually have it and they're having to get tested for, us, for it. And so maybe it might be some family, some relatives, um, some friends from different homes that we once had. Um, but in some way or one way or another, most of us are in a way connected with somebody who is, uh, de- is dealing with it. Um, I personally don't have any family or relatives that are going through the coronavirus, uh, but I do have um, some, uh, some friends who have gone through it or some, some of my friends' family members have, uh, have gone through it. And so at, when, in the time of the midst of the coronavirus, this passage that we're reading about, about Peter and John interacting with this man who, is, um, who, is, um, perfect, who has been disabled since birth, um, for us, it's, there's a little bit of, there's some, there's some things there that kind of that link together. And so we, here we have Peter and John going to the temple together, which is also very interesting uh, because Peter and John are guys who we, who we wouldn't think would be very good friends. Um, and Peter himself is, is, is an interesting dude. Um, he's most famous for denying Christ after Christ predicted that he was going to deny him. And if you've ever read the Gospels, you've read about that story about how Peter denies Christ after Christ had said, you're going to do this. And Peter said, I would never do that. And then he goes and he denies uh, Christ. And so what's interesting about that is Peter being the one who is famous for denying Christ is also the one who is right here with John. We just finished reading his sermon. We spent three weeks on his sermon. And then next week we're going to covering another one of uh, Peter's speeches. And so Peter, the one who is famous for, for one who many considered, uh, one of the, Peter being one who many considered to be a coward, is the one who has stayed, who has been faithful after Christ's ascension, after Christ ascended. Um, we have his sermon that we just read. We're getting ready to read uh, another one of his speeches week. And then he also has two little two letters in the back of the Bible, one of them that we covered last week. So Peter is a very, very interesting guy. It's very interesting that he's traveling with John uh, because John was at the foot of the cross when Christ was hanging there, when Christ was suffering. And John was there when, uh, when, um, when Jesus um, says, um, please take care of my mother while he's hanging on the cross. And so these are two guys who should not mix. These are two guys who should not be traveling um, in pairs. They should not like each other. They should not um, have um, very good things to say about each other. Um, but this is what the gospel does. This is what Christ does. This is what being filled with the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reunites people together who should not uh, get along. And um, if you, if we read, when we read the Bible, we see that God specializes in using the unlikely. Uh, God specializes in using the outcasts, the misfits. Um, Peter, one who denied Christ, um, this is who Christ, this is who God uh, specializes in using to do his work. 
Um, God assembles people as his followers and as his family who are the least likely, the people that we would never pick to do uh, work, with the people that we would never pick to, to, do, a, uh, to do a business startup, um, to um, put together like a, a sports team. Like uh, God focuses on the ones that nobody ever wants to, to use. And so um, here they are um, walking. Here they, so here Peter and John are walking up uh, to uh, the temple. And so um, we see that there is this, uh, what the scriptures call a lame man. This says that he's been lame from birth. Uh, this means that he was, he's never been able to walk. He's never been able to stand on his own two feet. Um, this is somebody who has been permanently disabled his entire um, life. Um, when he was a kid, he never got to play catch. He never got to play tag. He never got to play hide and seek. Um, but he did get, he got to watch other kids do those things. He got to watch other kids play together to laugh and um, to just have fun and just run around and get exhausted. He got to watch that happen as a child. And as a grown man, he's never had a job. And so especially in this culture, that means that he never, he's not married and he doesn't have a family. And he gets to watch other people grow and develop those things that he never will get to have. Um, and he has literally been subject to a life of poverty. Um, he has no say in this. Um, he has no choices here. Um, he has been disabled from, from the very beginning. Um, and so here he is sitting at the, the temple gates, uh, hoping generosity of God's people. A man who has, who has never taken care of himself, a man who's never ever been able to provide for himself, and cannot provide for anybody else, never, not once, not a day. And this is a very rough and depressing life for anybody. And, but especially if you're a guy with the way that guys are wired, this will rip you to shreds internally. And so Peter and John are walking up to this man, this physically disabled man. And so we see in this passage that he's asking for alms. He's asking for money. He's hoping that people will be generous towards him and give, give, them whatever, give him whatever they can. Because he's not able to do it for himself. And so um, the scriptures right here are making a, a big deal about something. And so what we see is that um, Peter and John gaze at this man, which is a very, which is a very big deal. And so when we read this, it's really easy for us to look past it. Uh, but if we think about it for a moment, um, if you're in your car going down, the, going down a, a busy street, not in Alpine, but if you're coming up to a busy intersection like in Midland, Odessa, El Paso, and you see somebody on the street corner asking for money, you never gaze at that person. Uh, you look away. Like all of a sudden, you're just magically focused on the car in front of you. You're not distracted. Uh, you're not looking at all the scenery around you. You're gonna make sure you're gonna make sure you do not make eye contact uh, with this homeless person who is on the, the street. You're just not gonna do it. You're focused on what's in front of you, and so like um, you don't gaze upon that person. Um, if you're driving down uh, I-10 in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere and you see a car stranded on the side of the road with somebody uh, outside, you can see that they're maybe their tires blown out, or maybe you see like this the steam and smoke coming from under the hood. Um, all of a sudden, you're just magically focused on the, the highway in front of you. You're focused on I-10. Um, you don't want to see, like, the, the pain that the, that person's in. You don't want to see, uh, like, the chaos and the, the, uh, just the mess that their life is in right now. You don't want to stop and help them. You've got, all of a sudden, you've got somewhere to be, and you've got to make a good time. And, like, maybe it's because you've watched uh, too much crime TV, and you've seen, like, way too many of these cases of people, like, being hurt and, um, maybe it's people being taken advantage of, or um, maybe you've watched one too many. Maybe you've listened to one too many episodes of the My Favorite Murder podcast, and you think everybody is a murderer all of a sudden. 
um, like you've seen way too much of like the worst things that have happened in society, and like you've got to you've got to get go you've got to get going. You can't take the chance that that person might hurt you. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of things going on. But what we see here with Peter and is that these are two of God's people. These are two of the followers of Christ. Um, and so they don't get this, when they approach this, uh, this poor man, this man who's lame, they don't get this stern look on their face. Um, like they, don't, they don't make this decision, like the stern look on their face, like they're just going to like walk past him and they're going to teach him, a, they're going to teach him a lesson. Um, they don't walk past him with these preconceived judgments or notions like, well, even if we did help him, he would just take our assistance and use it for drugs and alcohol. Like, they don't do any of that. They don't judge this man. They don't decide that they're going to, like, they don't, they're not about um, just uh, justifying their own idolatry for their own possessions and their own time. Uh, they stop. They see the man that's suffering. They see the man that's in pain. And it says that they gaze upon, they gaze at him. They gaze upon him. And, like, we're making a big deal about this because this is really easy to gloss through when we read the scriptures. It's just a few words. Um, but this, like, what Peter and John are doing right here, it goes against human nature. It goes against that sin nature that we're, that we're all born into. Um, they're, not puff, they're not puffed up with undeserved pride. They're not about teaching this, this man the, this, this, this powerful, rough, stern lesson. Um, they're not making excuses to justify their idolatry for their lives or for their, their possessions. Um, they stop. What they do goes against their sin nature, and it's, it's amazing. Um, they're filled with the Spirit. They're a brand new. They're new people. Their lives are being transformed. They're regenerated. Uh, these two guys are regenerated, and it's, it's awesome. Um, these... This, um, and when we see when they stop and they gaze upon him, this lame man uh, doesn't have this weird sense of pride. Um, he's not trying to, um, uh, we learn that he's not trying to, um, to uh, con people because everybody knows that this is, this is who he is. Um, he's, actually a sh he's actually ashamed and embarrassed of, his, of who he is, which is why Peter and John have to tell him to, to look up at us because he's looking down. Um, he's like, he's not happy. Like he, his life has broken him down. Broken, his life has broken himself down. And so they, Peter and John come up to him, they gaze at him, and they say, look at us. And the man lifts up his head, naturally expecting to receive something from Peter and John. And Peter says to him, more or less, he's like, we don't have any money. He's like, silver and gold, we don't have. And so, which is, I think it's kind of funny, uh, because, like, they, Peter and John, like, they, he, they, they um, the way they talk to him, it's like he, they're about to give him a donation, and then they follow up with, we don't have anything. And so, like, to me, this, this guy's probably, like, this weird emotional roller coaster. Like, I'm sad, I'm defeated. Oh, but they approach me, so they're going to give me money. And they follow up, like, we don't have any money. And so, like, I just, I think that's funny. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's all good. And so, um, when um, Peter and John walk up to him, it says, like, money we don't have. Silver and gold we don't have. Which is also something that we need to take note of. Because Peter and John are followers of Christ. They're people who literally physically saw Christ. They literally physically walked with Christ. Um, we just went over a second ago about how um, John saw Christ hanging from the cross. Um, these two men um, are in a life of poverty. They're poor. God's people are poor. That's why they don't have silver and gold. They don't have anything with them right now. And so these are a poor, these are two poor guys. They're living in poverty. Their lives are not flashy. There's nothing impressive about them whatsoever. Um, there's nothing about their exterior that is, that's desirable. There's nothing about them that's spectacular. Um, there's nothing about the way that they walk, where they carry themselves, that they're, that they're wearing. Um, nothing about them says, come and flock to me, um, which is something that is really interesting that's worth, that worth noting. 
And so here's Peter and John in their lives of poverty, no cash, no money, standing before the beggar. And Peter says to them in verse 6, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise up and walk. And so um, if we remember real quickly that this man has never taken a step before, he's never stood on his own two feet, um, he's never walked, he's like nothing, like ever. Um, but here he is, um, uh, Peter basically, um, after Peter says, uh, rise up and walk, the man stands on his own two feet instantaneously. Uh, no, need for muscle, no need for muscle development, no need to learn to balance, um, nothing. He is instantaneously um, strong enough to just stand on his own two feet. And not just stand, the scriptures tell us that he, um, he stands and he walks and he leaps as well. And so he's able to do all of this uh, instantaneously, which is what, which is what makes it such a remarkable, uh, such a remarkable uh, miracle. And so it's really important that we also note and are aware that Peter, that what Peter and John does right here, they do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and so what this is, is this is a testament of the power of Jesus Christ that miraculously heals this man instantaneously. Um, it's not the work of Peter and John. It's not their power. It's nothing that they did, but it's Jesus Christ who does so. It's in the power of Jesus uh, Christ. Two men filled with the Holy Spirit, are gifted with the Holy Spirit, are able to do this work in the power and the name of Jesus uh, Christ. And so the work was completed in the name of Jesus. And the and those who did the work did so in the name of Christ. And the one that was healed praised God for what God had done. And so what we see right here is not about the glorification of Peter, it's not about the glorification of John, but it's about glorifying God, which is the original purpose and the original intent of all of uh, humanity, and that is to glorify uh, God. And so, what Peter, so what, here we see Peter and John glorifying God by loving their neighbor, and the healed one glorifies God by praising Jesus and running into the temple. And so what's real, also what's interesting about this is that, like we said at the beginning, the, he, this man who had been carried up to the temple by his friends has been, had been put there daily. So everybody that's in the temple had walked past him like over and over and over again. They knew who he was. They knew his suffering. They knew his disability. Uh, they, they knew that he'd been like this since ever. And so when he runs into the temple, he runs and walks in there and leaps and praises God in front of people who had seen him every single day just sitting there with his disability, which caused amazement among them. And so here, here's the thing. What we see here, which we just touched, touched on a second ago, is that um, uh, what Peter and John did right here was that they, they loved their neighbor, and they did so to the glory of God, and they did so give, giving praise to Jesus Christ. Um, and so Peter and John, like Peter and John know who they are. Uh, we said a second ago that um, Peter, one of the things that makes Peter famous, that Peter's famous for is for denying Christ. Right after Christ said, hey man, you're going to deny me. And then Peter goes and he does it. And then he freaks out. Um, and so Peter knows who he is. Like Peter is well aware of who he is. He knows his, his human condition. He knows that the work that, he knows what Christ has done in his life and what Christ has done for him. Um, after Christ ascended, he was a part of like the, the 120 that went back to the upper room and dedicated himself to the prayer and dedicated himself to the scriptures. Like Peter knows who he is, and he's well aware of what the power that the power of the gospel has done in his life. Um, Peter knows that he was once he is helpless. Peter knows that he was a helpless man uh, that Christ chose 
and made him a follower and has done this miraculous work. Like Peter knows that he was one, that he was once helpless and still is helpless. Uh, that's why Peter and John were able to go and uh, gaze upon this helpless man and um, um, be an instrument of God used to to heal him. And so, like I said, here's the thing: is is that when we identify with the layman in this story, like we are able to love our neighbors. Um, but it's not until that it's not until then that you're able to identify with the layman or you're able to identify with the helpless people in the scriptures. It's not until you identify with the helpless that you're able to love your neighbor. Um, it's not until then you will you will continue to shrug your shoulders and walk off as you walk walk away from your neighbor who is in need. Uh, you will continue to wait for somebody else to step up and love your neighbor for you so that you don't have to, and you will continue to make excuses like over and over again as to why you can't love your neighbor and why you won't love your neighbor. Uh, you will continue to say that you're scared. You'll continue to say that you can't. You'll continue to say that you don't have enough time. You will continue to always do these things until you understand that you are the layman in this story who Christ did a miraculous work in. Because the only people that there are to help and love and serve in this world are the helpless. And Christ only loves, Christ only helps the helpless because the, the helpless is, is the only ones that there are. And so way too many times when we read the Bible, we identify with the hero instantaneously, and, um, which is remarkably narcissistic of us, uh, myself included. Um, I used to always think the story of David and Goliath was about me being David, defeating Goliath, which is the, which is the complete, which is not what that story is, is ever about. Um, and this is a terrible way for us to read the Bible. It's a horrible way for us to read the scriptures. Um, because the scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation, that entire gigantic book, is about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. The central point of the scriptures is not you. The central point of the scriptures is not me. The central point of the scriptures is just Jesus. And when we read these great stories, when we read these miraculous things in the scriptures, we need to first know and identify with the layman who could not help himself because Christ loves to help helpless people. Christ loves to serve helpless people. Um, and so if you don't know my story about how I was, uh, became into the faith, how I was saved, um, I was saved when I was 18, a freshman in college. Um, I was, still am, was a helpless person, was wondering, uh, looking for answers, had questions and about things I didn't comprehend, and still, to this day, I'm still trying to get a grasp on. Um, I was caught up in my own self-righteous moralism. I was caught up in, I was rebelling against God. I had zero concern for the helpless around me. And I had zero concern for my neighbor, and I had zero concern for God or his kingdom. Um, all I was concerned about was me, myself, was my life, and how I was going to create my own success with my own abilities. I was going to pave my own path. Um, I had no concern about God. Um, I ignored God. I wasn't concerned about what God loved, what God hated. Um, I, was, um, I was not concerned with God at all. Um, and one of the best ways to hate somebody is to treat them as if they don't exist. One of the best ways to hate somebody is, is to ignore them, um, to not talk to them, to not interact with them. And I had no concern with God. I ignored God. I didn't talk to God. I had no concern about uh, God. Um, and this sounds very, very, this sounds really true and very basic. Um, but when you think, when you think about it, like you hate to be ignored. Uh, you, you hate to be neglected. You hate to feel um, invisible. And so just because I ignored God because I wasn't concerned with God or anything about God didn't mean that God was not real because God was alive and is alive today and will be alive for forever. 
Uh, but for me to live my life ignoring him, to treat God as invisible, was a terrible and sinful thing for me to do, and that's, that's who I was. Um, I was helpless, just like this man in Acts chapter 3. I was helpless, I was desperate, and I was de- dependent. I, I had rejected God, I had denied God, I had ignored God. Um, I treated the one who spoke into existence all of creation like he didn't um, exist, which is actually remarkably insane. Um, but this is, why this, is, this is why this is all good news, because the, the story doesn't end there. If the story ended there, it would be bad news. Um, but the, the, this is good news because even though I was ignoring God, denying God, or rejecting God, rebelling against God, um, Jesus, still, this, Jesus still grabbed me up and called me a son, cleaned me up, and he opened my eyes, and he continues to do so every single day. And that's grace. Um, grace is taking the helpless who cannot help themselves and doing all the work for them. Uh, grace is the one who is God taking those who had rejected him and calling them a son and daughter and giving them a, a purpose for the, his kingdom. Um, and so the story we're reading about here in Acts 3 tells us, uh, tells us about what the gospel is. And the gospel is God miraculously healing the helpless. God, the gospel is God miraculously healing me, the helpless man, um, when I was 18, and still miraculously helping and healing me every single day. And so you and I, we have to come to terms with the fact that we cannot help ourselves. Just like this man in Acts chapter 3 could not help himself, uh, we need a rescuer. We need a healer to help, uh, to do, actually to do the work for us. And Jesus is the rescuer. What Peter is doing here, what Peter is here is, is he's an instrument in the hands of God, revealing the truth about who God is and the work that God does. Peter didn't heal the man. Jesus healed the man. Um, and we have to first, we have to understand that we are, we were first helpless. And when we first understand that we are helpless and we first understand that we, um, that we are, that we were somebody else's neighbor, then we can go and we can love our neighbors because we identify with the one who is those who need, who need help. Um, and this is a, a rem- this is a remarkably important thing for us to understand, especially one week after we, we made this very special intention to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Um, and so um, we need to stop, we need to, myself included, need to stop making ourselves the, whore, the, the heroes in the story. Um, that's a remarkably stressful life to live. There's no peace in that life. There's no rest in that life. Um, trying to be the hero over and over again is remarkably exhausting. And a big reason is because that's not your job. That's not my job. Christ is the hero. And the work that Christ completed on the cross is enough. There's no need to add on to what Christ did on the cross. And so we're not the hero. We needed a hero, and we still do need a hero. Um, Christ was the hero yesterday. Christ is the hero today, and Christ will be the hero um, tomorrow. And we need, to be, we, need to, we need to be rescued, and Christ is the rescuer. And the more that we can understand that, and if we pray about that over and over again, if we uh, continue to seek God's word and the scriptures, then the church can um, do what they need to do during this time in the midst of the coronavirus, and that is to step up and radically love their neighbor because we can understand that because, because we are the church, that we are the helpless that Christ has loved, that Christ has saved, and that Christ has called. So if y'all would pray with me real quick. Uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for um, who you are. We just uh, thank you for helping us, the helpless. And um, we just thank you for being our hero. Thank you for being our rescuer. And just thank you for your miraculous work uh, on the cross. And we always want to celebrate the resurrection, and we always want to celebrate uh, the ascension. 
And so just, um, just, uh, just continuously, like in your loving grace, let us not forget who we are and let us not forget who you are. And um, as we continuously are reminded and we know who we are, let us have a heart for those uh, around us. Let us have a heart for our neighbor. And uh, like I said, just thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you, what you've done. And uh, as we start a new week uh, with our new, unique, fascinating schedules, just uh, get, please let us have a clear sight and a clear vision for, um, for what it is that you've uh, called us to. And we just um, uh, thank you for who you are. And just thank you for calling us uh, sons and daughters. And just uh, thank you for giving us a new life. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.